Welcome to Piedmont Arts. I'm Rachel Stewart. The Van Every Smith Galleries at Davidson College are currently displaying an exhibition called From Pandemic to Protests, Visualizing Social Isolation and Social Injustices Through the Davidson College Art Collection. All of the works on view are from the college's permanent collection and visualize some of the emotions many of us are experiencing in this unusual time. One of the creations is by Bethany Collins and was commissioned by Davidson College with funds from the Justice, Equality, and Community Grant and actually commissioned before the exhibition came together. It's called Dixie's Land. Bethany is a multidisciplinary artist who's exhibited her art at the High Museum uh, in Atlanta, the Museum of Contemporary Art in Chicago, and the Studio Museum in Harlem, among other spaces. And she served as Davidson College's Public Humanities Practitioner-in-Residence in the 2019-2020 academic year. So Bethany, thanks for coming back to Piedmont Arts. It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. I think the last time you spoke to my colleague, Frank Dominguez. I don't know if you had actually created this artwork yet, but now you have. And so I thought we could start by you just talking a little bit about it, why it's called Dixie's Land, and maybe if you can even give a little visual description since we're an audio medium. So I've been working with uh, Contrafactum for a while. These are songs that retain their own melody. So the melody remains constant, but the lyrics have been rewritten by different songwriters over time and usually for different political causes. So My Country, Tis of Thee, The Star-Spangled Banner, and even Dixie, all of these songs are contrafactum. And they've been rewritten from the 18th to 20th century, at least each of them a hundred times. So a hundred different versions of each of these songs, at least. And for different political causes from suffrage and temperance, labor, lots of prohibition, um, the Confederacy and an abolitionist as well. So oftentimes what I find most interesting for my practice is I'm interested um, mostly in language and what it reveals about us, the collective us at any given moment, is the ways in which these versions are often in opposition to each other. Like what does it mean to be American if the Confederacy has a version of my country to the thee, and also abolitionists and the Union Army have a version of the same song? And so those versions do not agree. Um, and I've been compiling these into hymnals. So binding these versions together forever in opposition. But for Dixie, that didn't feel quite right to bind them back together into a sacred hymnal because <laughs> Dixie begins as a, it's a really catchy, horrible song. It's written in 1859 by Dan Emmett, initially as a minstrel song, so per, to be performed in blackface. And then it becomes the national anthem of the Confederacy, the anthem of secession, according to the Richmond Dispatch. And what it conjures for me growing up in Alabama is it just makes you really aware of where you are. And whenever you hear the song, it's like you become, I don't know, it sets my teeth on edge still. But it's also really catchy. And so it's a strange kind of song. So um, Dixie's Land then was interested in it for that, for the contrafactum of it, those versions, a hundred versions of a horrible song is an interesting proposition. So I have a question. Uh, mm -hmm. Are all the versions horrible? No. You know, the other versions of My Country Tis of Thee and the Star Spangled Banner, they are a broad swath, right, of what it means to be American. They cover the, like a chronology of American history. Dixie just goes back and forth for the most part between the Confederacy and the Union. And then the end, like the Union wins the war, the Confederacy wins that song, which is really interesting. Mm. So most of the songs are Confederates. 
but they go back and forth. So most of them are written during the Civil War. Why I was interested in this work for Davidson, Davidson, like a lot of college, Southern college campuses, has its own particular history with the song. It was sung up until the 1960s, at least, um, at football games, actually just at all athletic events. The reason it was publicized in the archives was that uh, there were some student visitors to campus from a northern college, and they just found it really strange that the song would still be sung at college um, football games, and they complained about it. And there was a coach who said, enough, let's not play that anymore. Um, Dixie is also, well, Birth of a Nation screened on campus, Davidson, 1960s, early 1960s, also a terrible movie. Dixie's a part of the original score for that song, so likely wasn't performed on campus, but it's a part of the original film. And then there's an affiliate college professor of Davidson who wrote his own version of Dixie in 1917. So the song was for World War I, Soldiers, but it was copyrighted to benefit the United Daughters of the Confederacy. So Davidson has its own history. So I selected 10 contrafactum, 10 versions of Dixie, and printed them so they become 10 drawings. Then I worked with a young composer, M.J. Epperson, to transpose the musical notation from major to minor so that the song can no longer be sung in that jaunty, um, victorious kind of way. It must be melancholy and mournful. And then on top of each version of the song that was selected, I um, created these renderings, charcoal renderings of tear gas that was deployed during protests from 2020 after the murder of George Floyd in Minneapolis. But for me, that's a way to trace the origins of something, that this is in a really terrible year and that it didn't come out of nowhere. 2020 must have come from somewhere. And so if we can trace it back to our very beginnings, then this year starts to make a little bit more sense and context. So you um, finished this, you would have finished this up pretty recently then. Did you change? your um, concept yeah. in the middle? Yeah, I don't usually work with um, language that is so automatically problem. It, it, there needs to be some sort of tension within the language for it to be interesting for me. Uh, and so it stumped me for a while. I also wanted to make another hymnal because there is an interesting proposition that Dixie as, an, as a kind of anthem of part of us part of the nation um, complicates the Star Spangled Banner and My Country Tis of Thee and these other hymnals that I've made, but I couldn't bring myself to bind them into something sacred. Mm -hmm. and, and it's interesting that that's the work you made, and then I'm assuming about the same time, the curators at the college decided they were going to make this exhibition called From Pandemic to Protest, which is really inspired by 2020. So was that, were you kind of creating at the same time and it just worked out that you're, you're, um... We probably were working over the same time. Um, Leah Newman is the curator at Davidson College Galleries. I think she knew that whatever I pulled from the archives was going to be somewhat uh, difficult and she supported that really well. So she was probably, I assume, also grappling with how to make sense of this year like we all are. Uh, and the exhibition is a really nice way to respond to that. So what people are looking at when they're looking at these musical scores of Dixie that are part of, you know, sort of the foundation of the artwork, I guess, and they've already been transposed to minor. Mm -hmm. Have you heard what they sound like? Is there any kind no. of audio component? <laughs> 
No, I've done a couple of performances um, based on the other hymnals, but Dixie, I don't really have a desire to hear them. There is the last work in the uh, multi-part work is a version by Renee Marie from 2001, where she begins singing Dixie, just the first stanza. And then the song morphs into Abel Maripol's Strange Fruit, which is that really mournful anti-lynching poem song, mm -hmm. which feels like it brings the work back to its origins, that it kind of uh, gets the work or the song to admit what it's really about and also ties it to this moment where the past keeps haunting the present. Just kind of curious about, um, you started this work about, uh, would it have been a year ago? Is that I right? visited the campus in, I think it was November. It feels like forever, November of last year. Okay, and we should point out that you're in Chicago. I am. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, since you brought up your hymnals, Maybe you could describe a little bit about, there is one of your hymnals uh, in the exhibition here. Mm -hmm. I believe it's called America. Yes. So okay. My Country Tis of Thee was also, also known as America. So that's a hundred versions bound together. And they're bound in the likeness of a shape note hymnal. This is an early American style of singing um, that was remains primarily popular in the American South today. It's a kind of musical notation that is thought to be really egalitarian because it's easier to learn. And when shape note singers get together to sing, there is no leader, everybody takes the turn and they face each other, all singers in a hollow square. So it feels like a representation of democracy at its best. And then for that hymnal, a hundred versions bound together and then I burned the musical notation away so that only those differences, those 100 different versions of what it means to be American remain legible. So when you turn through the hymnal, that burn, that kind of acrid smell, sometimes still escapes from the pages. But what's also interesting for me is that those tiny little notes and staff marks that have been burned away, the absence of them makes the pages, they get tangled up together. So eventually the work kind of aids in its own destruction or your reading of the work aids in its destruction, right? That also feels a bit like democracy right now, right? The more we live together, the more complicated it becomes. And so to participate is your, is your choice. Right. And to, to really have equal voice across all of us becomes more difficult. Mm -hmm. It just becomes a much more complex environment. Complicated. It's very, very complicated. Well, um, what are you working on now? I've been working with choreography for a while. It's a language of flowers. And I was looking at, um, I made a couple of wallpapers, embossed wallpapers. They're actually flocked. Do you remember that kind of wallpaper? It's popular in like our grandma's houses. Yes. Yeah. It's like a raised velvet kind of soft textured wallpaper. Yeah. So I made a couple of those works that were based on uh, state flowers. I think in the early or late, late 19th century, there were at least 98 flower dictionaries circulating in the U.S. So I looked at all the state flowers for the American South and translated them using these old dictionaries. So I'm originally from Alabama. Um, and what's interesting for me is the camellia is Alabama state flower. It means my destiny is in your hands. It's beautiful. It's so Victorian. But some of these other flowers that I translated were people left the South in the Great Migration, so to other states, translate to 
uh, welcome me, let me go. I burn for you. I am your captive. And so when you're, when you're, when these state flowers that are supposed to represent us in a given place, that landscape of the, the whole country, through the lens of American history, when you say my destiny is in your hands, I burn for you, I am your captive, that violence of that language intermingles inter with the beauty of the landscape too. And that feels like ways that I'm thinking about what it means to belong to this place and to be American right now it's beauty and it's terror at the same time. Did that make sense? Yes. So. I, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm not familiar with florography. Is that what you called it? Floriography. Floriography. Mm -hmm. So from what you said, it sounds like a flower is assigned a character. A translation. Yeah. A meaning. Yeah. Okay. And, and then how, was that used in Victorian times? Just to, yeah, like if somebody gave you a gardenia, that meant something. It meant something. Yeah, so you would send these talking bouquets, which were sometimes used to send covert Victorian <laughs> messages. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's just very romantic um, in an overly sentimental way that through the lens of this moment feels um, something about flowers right now feels crucial. Well, if you like flowers, which I do, <laughs> it, 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 is, uh, it makes you happy. To think about flowers that you know if you have to sit in your house all day yeah <laughs> yeah exactly well just one more sort of general question about your work you do work with words a lot I mean that is sort of your your thing right mm -hmm. why is that I think the archives the text that we keep reveal a lot about us whether it's what's present or what's absent it tells us about ourselves at any given moment you know, there are dictionaries where in the 80s version of a dictionary, there will be a new definition of a word. Let's say gray from 1982. 82, there's a definition um, deteriorating in urban, an urban area deteriorating into a slum. And in the 70s, it wasn't there. And in the 90s, it's gone again. So what is it about the 80s and the American Heritage Dictionary that necessitates that definition? It's just a way to know ourselves. Language is a way to know ourselves. Yeah. Well, Bethany, I want to thank you for your time today and sharing that and explaining to us a little bit about this creation that you made for Davidson College. Again, it's called Dixie's Land. And Bethany uh, Collins is a multidisciplinary artist. She's based in Chicago now. And Dixie's Land and other works from the exhibition From Pandemic to Protest will be on display until October 4th. Now, I have to qualify that and say, because of COVID-19, only Davidson College students and employees are allowed to visit the galleries in person. But the exhibition website uh, is pretty comprehensive. It has a list of works and photographs, so you can go there and you can see Bethany's creations. And it's a long URL, so I will we will post that at our website. <laughs> so, again, thanks so much, Bethany. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you. For Piedmont Arts, I'm Rachel Stewart.